You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, I was thinking as we were coming into Christmas, I've had it on my heart. I'm going to continue next year. But every now and again, I want to go back over my life and I want to recount some of the major shifts of understanding that God brought to me through His Word. And so uh, if you stick around, you're going to hear my top 10. I just want to go with the top 10 major things that God used to change me. And uh, when you begin to read God's Word, you realize that it is literally life-changing. And the first one that I want to start with, I'm going to start today, is we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. We've got it on the screen behind me. The Bible says this, Therefore ensure that you do not cast away your confidence. Because confidence creates reward. See, I never understood that we're living with an enemy that's active every day, every moment. There's something about the enemy that I don't think we understand, but I want to again set a foundation that the enemy is limited. He's a spirit being, but he is limited. He's a created being. God is limitless. I thought I might have an amen somewhere. God has no boundaries. God is limitless. If you read the Bible, you discover that you were created not in the image of the enemy. You were created in the image of a limitless God. The enemy knows that he's limited. Therefore, he wants to ensure that he traps you into believing you are. But God says, no, you were created in my image and therefore you are created to live a limitless life. So there is a contention that's going on and the writer of Hebrews says this, it says, make sure you do not cast away your confidence. Why? Confidence creates. It's the creative force of God to understand that the enemy hates the fact that we were created in the image of God and he is not able to live a limitless life. So he restricts us with lies. He causes us to live with weights we shouldn't carry. He's gonna bring seasons that we don't understand and we're gonna bow down to the season rather than standing up and saying, no, no, I was created in the image of God and therefore it is my responsibility to stir up confidence and stand in the face of challenge. By the way, there are so many Christians that I meet and I think, what's happened to you? And I can relate because we go through that and this thought is true that we were not created to do everything. But we were created and are called to create something. And so today as we close out 2019, I want to come to you and I'm going to say, how's your confidence level? Are you creating something that's bigger than your humanity? Are you creating something bigger than your gift mix? Are you creating something that God designed you to create? Zig Ziglar, who's a great motivational speaker, said this, you are the only person on earth who can use your ability. Man, I need some feedback from south tonight or up at north. Come on, we need some response. You are. And you're looking at somebody for much of my life growing up in the church. I was literally paralyzed by indecision because I didn't want to make a mistake. I, I, I was in fear of doing the wrong thing. Whereas I've come to realize, no, confidence creates. 
And I've got to learn to develop a godly confidence. I, I went through seasons where it's like, well, other people can do it. I just, I can't do that stuff. But when you read the verse fully, it's again this verse that challenges all of us. You realise that we are the ones that cast our confidence away. I thought somebody took it from me. I thought the words that somebody said over me was what destroyed my confidence. I, I, I thought something that I went through took my confidence and yet the writer of Hebrews says, no, you've got to turn that around. Your confidence is your responsibility. When I begin to realise that, I'm going, well, I'm not going to allow what I don't understand. I'm not going to allow what the enemy is lying to me. No, do not cast away, literally throw off. Don't throw off your confidence. I was only 10 years old. Some of you may have heard the story and I, I had such a deep relationship with God. We went on a farming trip, me and my friend. And the farmer asked us to move sheep out of one paddock down a laneway into another paddock. And I was kind of fearful because I was just small. I was 10, skinny legs, just skinny body physique. And I opened up the gate. He said, just push him out and then down the laneway. And I got him out of the, the, the paddock and we're pushing them down the laneway. And then sort of the road widened and the sheep were splitting. And I'm thinking they're gonna run past me. Seriously, as a 10-year-old, I just go, God, you got to help me. God, move the sheep. And it was like the sheep just went, whoop. 10-year-old, whoop, like that. And I'm thinking, there he goes. God's giving the boot up the backside. I don't know any theology. And I got all the sheep into the paddock. It was just like, wow, that's amazing. I went back to my church and I was telling one of the elderly men in church. He said, what'd you do? I haven't seen you. I said, oh, we've been on holiday. Went on a farm. And man, I had this incredible experience where I got these sheep out of a paddock to another one and I couldn't manage it. So I asked God and God just boot them up the bum. And he said this, Sonny, don't you ever speak to God like that. I wonder if you've had that happen. Who are you? Who are you to believe? Who are you to be the one in generations that could change the destiny of a world where no, 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 God says, don't you cast away your confidence. From the beginning of time, the enemy says, has God really said that? Could you really do that? And you may be in an environment of a church that goes, you know what, we're, we're not gonna stop. But that's not your confidence. I gotta stand up every day and go, no, I'm not giving my confidence away. I'm, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not giving it away. I'm gonna stand. In fact, you gotta get, I gotta get a word from God for the next season as we go into 2020 because I've discovered it's the depth of my conviction that determines the height of my accomplishment. God, I gotta got believe that I'm not doing this for me. Every day, I want you to hear this. Every day I have an opportunity to give up. Yeah, but you're the pastor. No, I'm a person. Every day the enemy's gonna put a trap where I can throw my confidence away. Every day he'll point at what is not happening and say, well, what's the point of going on? And I've just come to realise, no, I'm not going to allow that. I, I'm, I'm not going to cast it away. Why? Because it creates reward. Have you ever observed a truly professional sports team? They believe they're going to win right up into the final whistle. That's why when they don't win and the whistle goes, they're devastated. Even though we as observers saw it a long way off, they didn't believe it wouldn't happen. They had a confidence to the max. You can't cross the line. And I wanna stir our church up because some of us are sitting here in church on a Sunday morning looking at the pastor doing all the work. 
And I want some confident response this morning. It's like, you know what? I'm going to lean in. I'm going to begin to turn my marriage around. I'm going to turn my family, my grandchildren's lives around. I'm going to turn this next season around because I'm going to be really, going to really buy into this fact that confidence creates. It unlocks the limitless nation and nature of God. You were once one of those people. What sort of people? A confident person. You grow up, grew up as a kid, full of confidence. You didn't care what everyone thought. You didn't care if you fell over, you just got up and went again. You didn't allow the fact that you couldn't walk to stop you trying to walk. You didn't care. You just wanted what you wanted. And you kept going for it. You didn't care about your brothers or sisters. It's mine, me, my, now. You were created in confidence. But the enemy knows that if you kept your confidence, you'd create. So he's labeled and he's laden us down with things that would try to squash God's purpose and intention. 28 years ago, many of you know the story, Marie and I go, yes, God, you want us to go to New Zealand? Okay, I'm a Kiwi by birth, but I don't feel equipped. So we had this negotiation that was like, God, we'll go because you're asking, but we won't go if we don't see something that hasn't happened before. What's the point of just another church on another street corner? What's the point of another year for you? Just doing the same old. What's the point of a life that's just simply existing because you've allowed the enemy to trap you to throw your confidence away? Yeah, but you don't understand what I've been through. No, I don't, but I do understand humanity. By God's grace, we're seeing what we began to dream and it's just at the beginning. And I often repeat to myself, the Bible, Isaiah 40 says this, have you not known? Paul, have you not heard? You've been in church such a long time, but you have not heard the everlasting Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He is not weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases their strength. Even the youths will faint and utterly fall, but those, everyone in the house today that waits, looks with hope, expectation, confidence, there is something to be collected in my tomorrow, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's not like, well, I'm waiting to see what God's doing. God says, I'm waiting for you to get past what the enemy's putting around you. I'm waiting you to stand with confidence, not arrogance, but stand and go, you know what? I'm not staying here. See, when you understand confidence, you understand it's your responsibility. You also understand it's a creative force. If you don't have confidence, you can't create what God wants you to create. And oh, by the way, confidence has a compounding effect. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence. You find someone who's confident, you want to be around them. Well, what, what is it about you that you're always kind of, it's just, you're just not you. I say to people on the stage, it took me too long. Learn it quick. Stop being a different person up here than you are out there. Just be you. Come on, it has a compound. Our grandkids, we have three of them. My job as Papa is to instill and to model confidence for them. The enemy doesn't want you to be creative. He wants you to stay within your square. He wants you to believe that you can't. 
Confidence becomes contagious. Remember, this is the biggest revelation. One of the biggest ones I've learned is that confidence can't be taken from me. I give it away. And I don't want to give it away anymore. By the way, if you can give it away, you can reinstate it. Oh, I thought that was profound. I'm a little confident this morning. In fact, some ladies in the foyer after the first service said, what have you been drinking this morning? So I'm not telling you. Come on, it can be reinstated. So you say, well, Paul, give me some understanding as to how you've rebuilt confidence since you've lost it. I would say the first thing is that godly confidence prioritizes personal acceptance. That's a mouthful. In short, it's like God wants you to accept you. Who I am is ultimately settled within my design. Who I am is not what you think I am. Who I am is not what other people say or circumstances would say, well, you're a failure because look at what happened. No, who I am is what God designed me to be. Come on, some of you need to hear this closing out 2019. Stop trying to be someone else. We're in a world that's trying to be someone else. It's like, well, I don't know who I am. I feel like I'm this and I feel like I'm that. No, the only way you'll finally settle who you are is finding the God that created who you are, getting close to Him and accepting who you are. I was one of eight children. I didn't ask for it. My mum's in the house. Her and dad, they had no TV. Eight of us. Rabbits, I call them. Rabbits. They had the first few thought, wow, they're so good, let's have more. And then I came along. But one of eight, it's easy to compare, isn't it? You might look at me now, but I'm reinstating my confidence. But there was a time when I was about eight in the church we were in, I was hiding behind a curtain as my brother was practicing on the drums. And this was how I was talking to me. I can't do that. I'd love to be a musician, but why can't I? I'm just not good enough just not who I am. See, and the enemy knows that there are traps he can set for us that will cause us to give our confidence away. But the answer to who we is, to who we are, literally is this realization that we need to be people that live out personal acceptance. It's such a challenge. I read as I was going through this in my early years, Psalm 139 verse 13, David speaking. And this is what he says, God, you formed my inward parts. God, it's a miracle, but you covered me in my mother's womb. Anybody that says a baby before they were born and not a real baby, it's contrary to God's word. You covered me in my mother's womb. Listen to his revelation. So I will praise you not because I feel good. I will praise you not because I'm winning on every front. I will praise you because I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Are you with me, North? Come on, South, are you with me? It's like I'm fearfully and wonderfully way. By the way, this next statement is not talking about the constellations. This is not about the created stars and universes. This is about me. Marvelous. 
are your works. And that my soul knows very well. You say, that's arrogance. No, it's not. If you can't accept you, God almost finds it impossible to use you. See, understanding who you are, we have a misaligned identity that we're in the image of God. We need to remove the fact of our wrong view of who we are. And as I keep saying, it's not arrogance, but I'm gonna praise you because I've come to accept who I am. I'm not my brother. I'm not your negative letters. I'm not my negative letters. I'm not what I can do or can't do. I'm just who I am. And this is how I would describe what I learned through this thought is that the enemy wars against our potential by attacking our personhood. So every time you see yourself as less than, then he's robbing you from potential. Let me tell you a little bit of my story. So you look at me now and say, you're pretty confident. Yeah, but I wasn't always that way. I was about five. I went to school at five. I remember one day my best friend coming up to me, I think it was summertime, it must have been the sun was shining and all of a sudden he looked at me weird and he says, what happened to you? I'm five. I said, I don't know, what happened to me? He says, you got spots on your face. I said, no, I don't. Yes, one particular sunny day I had a number of freckles. You know, what happened to you went home with me that night? What happened to you caused me to stand in front of America as a five-year-old boy and go, ah, oh. Now I'd say, cute. <laughs> that night, I still remember getting soap, rubbing my cheeks. Because somebody set a trap. And that somebody was not the boy, it was the enemy. I want to get rid of the color of my skin. I want to get rid of the nose that's slightly different to someone else. I want to get rid of what's around me. It's a few years went on. In fact, I think I was in intermediate school and we all wore shorts and another friend I had pretty good friends back then <laughs> said to me, man, your legs are skinny. I said, what do you mean? They're just really skinny. All day I thought about my legs are skinny. And I went home and I looked at my mum and dad. My dad had big legs, but my mum's legs were skinny. And I thought, I have got skinny legs. I mean, you, you look at my legs now. I am fearfully. I got skinny jeans on. It's been 90 years of going to the gym to put something on them that's got me to this state and they still are not like some of my other family members. But I want you to hear this. From that point, it was either three or four years I never wore shorts again to school because I had skinny legs. I only wore shorts when I had to at sport. And some of us are wearing things we shouldn't be wearing. We're allowing things to hold us. I then come to the time where all my teenage friends are going into puberty a little earlier, some of them. We're getting changed for sport and I noticed again, another good friend, he's got hair under his arms. I go home that night. <laughs> Even with a microscope, I couldn't see anything. 
I didn't tell anyone. I just carried it. And then in conversation with my friend, I said, man, you, you got some hair there? He said, yeah. I said, how did you get that? <laughs> like, I'm being very vulnerable today, all right? And he, he, he said, you got a massage. <laughs> so I went home and I start massaging. I, I don't know. It might have been two or three weeks. I'm just massaging every night, massaging. Looking in the mirror, looking to see if anything's coming. Nothing's coming. I massage. I plucked up the courage, I think four or six weeks later, I went to him and I said, listen, I know you said massage, nothing's happening. He said, wow. He, he said, I did hear, if that doesn't work, you can put on plant fertilizer. So I went and bought plant fertilizer, this is true, and I rubbed it in and I got raw all under my arms as it took all the skin off under my arms and nothing was coming. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, some of you got a slow metabolism and you keep hiding. You can't determine the size of your neck and the, the state of who you, what about your hair? 19, I'm in the shower and I see a whole lot of hair in the drain. I thought, oh no, I should have known because my dad and my granddads are all bald. But man, I felt so, so conscious remember one person yelling at, oh man, you look like you're going bored, bald, bald, bored, bald, everything's going wrong. <laughs> I've been rubbing potions in it for the last 50 years, that's why I've still got some here. But if I could describe what it was like on the inside for me, I'm not like other kids. Every time I walk into a shopping center with strong lights and mirrors, the first thing I'd look is, what's gone? Some ladies wear hats because they're having a bad hair day. Every day was a bad hair day for me. The only redeeming fact is it doesn't cost you much for haircuts now, it's just straight with a buzzer. And I said to my mum once, playing a lot of sport, I said, I got a problem, mum. She said, what's that? I said, everybody does all the stretching exercises. And I've only twice in my life been able to touch the ground. So they're all stretching. They're saying, what's wrong? You're out of condition. I go, look, I do all the stretching I can. I just can't touch the ground. If you've been to the Christmas production, there's a lady in the production called Rosita. And she can stretch like you wouldn't believe. And I'm going, I never got that gift. <laughs> I said to mum one night, I said, I just can't do it. And they're saying, I've got to work harder. She says, I haven't told you. I said, what? She says, you've got high hips. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> the truth is my hips are literally touching my rib cage. So most men have hips here. <laughs> my hips are at my rib cage. Literally the top of my hips are here. I made a mistake. I told another friend, I've got high hips. <laughs> to which he said, you've got childbearing hips? And the story gets worse because when you're in school, how many know you've got to do what the teacher says? She goes, hands on hips. <laughs> Some of you know I had a melanoma five years ago. 28 stitches, they cut my ear off and all down here, checked all the lymph nodes and it was a pretty serious situation. And the doctor, he said, I've seen you on TV, so I'll try and stitch you up so... We can hide the, the scarring, which he did a great job. But I was looking in the mirror after the operation and I realized this lobe is now a lot lower than the other one. 
my mum talking about stories. I think I was four months old and I had a, a growth under my chin because there was a superbug in the hospital and they cleared out the birthing ward and sterilized it. But mum was one of the first months. Mum's there. The bug hadn't gone and I got the bug. Had a big growth under here. It's an amazing thing when God has a destiny in your life, the enemy knows that. And so I had an operation and they cut it out. And of course, as a baby, it's very hard to get all of that right. And when they stitch me up, I've got a scar under here. Some of the sweat glands are in, inverted. So I've spent my whole life, if you drink or I have something spicy, I, I leak under here. So if you ever go for a meal, just have a look under my chin. And <laughs> I've got this thing leaking down here. And I say, well, it depends how you look at it. You know, the benefit is you can have a coffee, have it twice. Uh, I suppose the point I wanted to make for everybody is yes, you are weird. Yes, you are different. Yes, there are things about you, but listen what David said, as I said before, I will praise you. I will stand up in December 2019 and I will praise You for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's not just a mind thing. Marvellous are Your works and that my soul knows very well. By the way, the original word fearfully means to be held in awe. I used to go to the mirror and go, mirror, mirror on the wall, why am I? Come on, the ugliest coot of all. Seriously, you don't think about that, but that's where I was at. Now I go to the mirror because I understand my design. Mirror, mirror on the wall. You are the luckiest mirror of all. And I pray that today some of us, come on, I'm not gonna allow the restriction of the enemy to stop us from being who God. It's only once we accept our reflection that we begin to shine. And seriously, some of us need to say, that's it, devil. I'm gonna stop comparing. I'm gonna start thanking God for who I am. Hair, no hair. Bigger, smaller, shorter, taller. Big neck, small neck. Doesn't matter one who. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knows very well. Very quickly, come on, I need the keys in here because we're gonna need some anointing. If you're gonna rebuild, reinstate your confidence, you gotta pursue enlargement. You can't just live the way you've lived before. People even say to me now, it's dangerous getting close to you because you're never content to stay with what you have. I'm thankful, but I'm not content because I've realised that confidence is unwrapped with those that pursue enlargement. And I just wanna encourage you, you'll never know what God can do through you till you have a go. Why have we stopped living in the safe zone? Why are we parked? By going, you know what? I made a few mistakes, so I'm not gonna make any more mistakes. No, God wants you to lift your vision. Stop living within the lines. God didn't design you just to get through. He designed you to release the creative power because confidence creates when you were a little child, you were doing things all the time you'd never done before. What happened? When did you believe that you're limited because of how you look? When did you start crossing the line and saying, God, I'm asking you for more? Read the Bible. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And ask is not like, God, would you bring it to me? God says, 
God, would you do this to my life? God says, come for a walk. What? You're telling me to get over the edge? Get over the edge, start again. Yeah, but I didn't work last time. Doesn't matter. Use everything you learned from last time. Get wisdom in your life and have the confidence that the God that called you can make a way for you. See, the miraculous, that's what we want. The miraculous manifests on a foundation of a willing personal response. I wanna be part of a church community that gets something from God. And I care what the devil says. I don't care what the past is. I don't care what I failed at before. I'm gonna stand here and I'm gonna say, God, we're gonna go for it. God, we're gonna be a part of a community that are gonna change a whole city, have an effect on a whole nation. Daniel 11.32, the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. If you are not an exploit doer, you don't know God. You may believe in God, but you don't know Him. You can't know Him. And say, well, I'm not venturing out again. God says, come on, confidence creates. One of our sons, very gifted in sport, is playing soccer, he could do anything but he didn't have aggression. I take him, I used to play for Lower Heart City rep team as a boy. I said, mate, you got it all, but you need aggression. We drive to soccer and I say, what's the A word? He said, oh, dad. Every time, what's the A word? The A word was aggression. Dad, would you just stop it? I said, okay, today I'm making a deal. If you get a red card, I'll give you 10 bucks. It was before I was a proper pastor. (laughs) I think God would delight in a whole lot of His children getting a red card because you're going to learn something from that. Stop living within the lines. Thirdly, you want to rebuild confidence? You've got to push past failure. Well, we tried and didn't work. Join the club. You can't. Find significance without failure. Yeah, but I thought God was going to turn up. No, God's with you in it. And if you're a learner, you're not going to stop at failure. You're going to push through failure. Don't back off when it goes wrong. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Some of us are in the room today. Some of us are connected in each campus. And God's saying, why are you casting away your confidence? If you read all of Hebrews 10, you'll discover scriptures that I won't go into, but you've got to realise this is what the writer of Hebrews says. When you started, you had great illumination. When you met God, you believed you could change the world. When you started, you believed. He says, but you've been through struggle. You've been through failure. You've seen things happen you never expected to happen. And you give up. I'm telling you, you cannot walk a walk that God wants you to walk without walking through and past failure. Have I failed? I'll fail more in the future than I ever have in the past because I'm prepared to push past failure. I'm not gonna allow failure to rob me. Come on, we're in the middle of the marathon. It's tough in the middle. But like the All Blacks, let's play a full 80 minutes. You either master life's challenges or they master you. Let me say it again. You either master life's challenges or they will master you. It's not like it's all right for you. No, no, no. You master life's challenges or they will master you. Confidence in the dictionary says this, fearless and free. Cheerful courage. 
boldness, assurance, unreserved in approach. Imagine working into a church where insecurity had been pushed aside. Imagine being in a foyer where you went to people rather than waiting for people to come to you. Imagine if you could just stand with confidence, it's contagious. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it. You're in the middle of the marathon and it's like, God, why? And God says, I'm just teaching you something. I've made so many failures. I remember closing out a conference session, never been asked to close one out. I was on a wooden pew and I had to introduce the next speaker and he said, person up line just said, look, there's two minutes, don't let anyone go to the bathroom, maybe a hundred people or so. Just get them to stand. Just before the session finished, I lost all the feeling in my leg. Just went numb. Punch in my hand. God, not now. And the guy finished early and so I get up trying to pretend that everything was alright. I just like, what a great session. Let's all stand to our feet, just have some time together and then we're going to introduce the next speaker in two minutes. And I saw a guy in the third row over there and he just sort of stood up and he went like that. He'd been on a hard pew as well, so it kind of it gave me encouragement. So I kind of shuffled over to him. I said, boy, these pews are hard, aren't they? I've got a numb leg. It's like I've got a dead leg like yours. He said, no, mate, mine's wooden. <laughs> Get over your failures. Get over your failures. Adam had them, Moses had them, Abraham had them, David had them, Peter had them, Paul had them. And listen to what the Word of God says, Psalm 37, it says the steps of a good man, the steps of a godly man, the steps of a full-on Christian with confidence that creates, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and God looks down and He delights in His way, not His result not in His perfection, not in everything working the way they thought it would work. He delights in His way. Here it is, though He fall. God looks at you and says, you're gonna fail. Stop letting perfection hold you. Though He fall, though He fall, though He fall, though He fall. Paul, though you fall, though you fall, though you fall, though you fall. I'm delighting in not just your rising, but in your falling. Though he fall, he will not be cast down because confidence creates. I'll uphold him. I'll uphold her with my hand. You know, the final thing that I've discovered to rebuild confidence is you need to position personal acceptance. That's, for me, the beginning point. Then you've got to commit to decisions of enlargement and then push past failure. But you've also got to realise that godly confidence partners surrendered hearts. If you've got stuff on the inside that you know is wrong and you haven't dealt with it, you're never gonna have the confidence to be who God wants you to be. We're in a world that can compromise without other people knowing, but your heart does. And I believe that God is looking for people that are gonna have clean hearts. As I said, godly confidence isn't arrogant, it's not self-centered. It's not about you, it's not self-promoting. In fact, that's all unattractive. It's about being willing to do what God wants us to do. There's a verse in Proverbs 14 and verse 26. Just read that. It's in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And His children will have a place of refuge. When you understand that God died for you and God's for you and He's not against you. You're hearing me up at North. 
down at South and here in Central. Don't be a carrier of compromise. Today, some of us need to just say, God, I've been doing my stuff. I've been doing wrong stuff. And today I'm gonna come home, get my heart free. A surrendered heart is what breathes confidence into you. These four things have helped me establish, I hope not an arrogance, but a godly confidence that I can stand up and be not what you want me to be, I'll be who God wants me to be. He designed me and I think for all of us, that's the challenge. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.